Ministers can very often be masters of the obvious, and um, so I, I think that's my job. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that at this time of year, we're staring at a brand new calendar, a brand new year. The problem is that that's all artificial anyway. We just kind of make templates and throw them over top of the universe to try to make some sense out of our lives and to regulate what day. It, it helps. It helps we have a calendar. That way we don't miss each other when we make an appointment. Uh, we, don't have, we, we have an order. We establish an order, artificial though it is. And sometimes those calendars even scare us when they have big round numbers like 1000 AD. People were convinced that's the end of the, that's the, end of the world right there. Why? Well, because it had three zeros. And that's a, that's a terrifying thing. They never really thought that they, that was an artificial date. Remember Y2K? They did it again. Oh, it's going, all the computers are going to crash. We're all going to die. And, and we didn't. Those of you that weren't there, uh, spoiler alert, we didn't. But we put our calendars over it and, it, and it's a handy way to regulate the passing of our time and give us at least a semblance of order and control. And it lets us have a party when one ends and we start the new one. Cammie and I have a set of solid traditions around New Year's Eve. Some that we've tried has not worked. Uh, in the Detroit area, we thought, right, you know, we're not going to any parties. Let's go to a movie because nobody will be there. Well, in Detroit, evidently going to the movies is what you do New Year's Eve. So we watched a movie like this from the front row and decided that's a tradition we're not going to do anymore. <laughs> so we have other sets of traditions. Um, the main one is... We found that we are long past being able to identify the singers on the shows uh, or the songs, sometimes the species. So we, we kind of dial ourselves back out to that. And it, we're, we're aware that these are not for us. This is for a different crew now. Our time is gone. The songs will be for somebody else. And so we, allow, we, we stay up till midnight, Greenwich Mean Time, which is six hours ahead of Central Time. <laughs> but since Breton is, has Greenwich Mean Time and, and we get to choose when midnight is, I'm going with the Queen on this one. Uh, and so um, at six o'clock, we look at each other, we say Happy New Year, and then we fall into our recliners and read. The point is, and it's exciting. It's, marriage is a great thing, kids. Look forward to it. Anyway, um, <laughs> As long as I'm being obvious, let me also mention that people like to make resolutions this time of year. Why? It's handy. You're starting a brand new year. You're flipping over a calendar. You're throwing one out and you're going, all right, now, now we're going to get plus with everything you ate. That, that factors into it. You've just eaten quite a bit and you're terrified the minister's going to preach on gluttony sometime in the next couple months. So you make some resolutions and advertisers know this. All my life I've watched it. You've seen it too. Leading up to Christmas, it's all buy, eat, buy, eat, buy, eat. Right after Christmas, it's exercise, gym, vitamins. Why do they do this? Because it works. You advertise because it works. People every year will say, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going I'm to get my life in order. I'm going to get a Franklin planner. Remember those? Uh, where I have to carry around 5,000 pieces of paper and organize it. And, and, and they do. They do. That first week is a thing of beauty. It never lasts. It's just the way it is. Well, we're going to start a new series into the new year. It's a series 
that comes out of a retreat the shepherds had. And the shepherds invited me along on the retreat, and we talked about the, the ark. We have a story ark in our sermons, and you may not know it, but these things are planned up to a year and a half in advance, the way that they, they go, where we're, we're taking us. And we just did thin places, and we did the creeds, and we're ready for the series that the shepherds had requested back then, and that is the disciplined life, the Christian disciplines. Now, sounds like a good time to do it, doesn't it? We're starting a new year. We have new resolutions. And we're going to begin, by the way, we're going to use some other material and let you know where it is so that you can get some of it. And we'll start with Richard Foster's classic book, The Celebration of Discipline. And by the way, we'll go on to look at other books of disciplines afterward, and we will always let you know ahead of time, and we'll always give credit where credit is due, where other people have done the work ahead of us. We'll always put our own unique Fourth Avenue spin on things, of course, because that's who we are, but that's where we start. But I want to I talk to you about that odd idea. I remember the first time I saw that book was in the 80s, and I looked at it in celebration of discipline. That seemed to be a dissonant title. It had set some cognitive dissonance in me. Discipline has never been something I've looked forward to. I'm not going to get my party hat on. I don't have a party hat. I'm not going to get a party hat on and a little blower thing and throw confetti air in the air because discipline's coming. Ah, That's no, no. And so I wondered about the title. But it's true. We do need to celebrate discipline. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about lanes and lines. Lanes and lines. This is a nation that was born out of an absolute belief that you have the right of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That liberty in there drove quite a lot of those early years here in the colonies to the point where the social contract you had with the British Empire, you said, no, we're breaking loose of that. We're going freedom. We want freedom is what we want. And as soon as you broke those bonds, you realized freedom needs lanes and lines. It needs structure. Now, my father took this to some extreme thing. He didn't mind spontaneity as long as it was well planned in advance. And we had a definite beginning, a definite end point. We had a goal in mind and midway we could check our progress in the spontaneity. It was almost like, all right, kids, we're going to stop at this park. You can frolic for four and a half minutes. You know, it was one of those things. That was the structure we grew up in. And the idea of liberty and then lanes and lines and rules and regulations. Well, what happened? As soon as the Revolutionary War was over, the papers began to be written. You had the Federalist Papers, which I'm sure you've all read. No need to quiz. But there's also the anti-federalist papers, which are fascinating in and of themselves. And truly, you ought, you ought to read them. They're not as boring as they sound. Uh, most of them are actually quite fascinating. There was the Constitution. There was the Bill of Rights. And they kept writing. Today, the list of regulations is staggering. I remember the first day that in undergrad school, I walked into a class on criminology. I was hoping we'd have a book where I could find pictures of my relatives. And so we were, I, t- I took criminology. 
And as uh, the first thing the teacher told us was he said, the first thing you need to understand is that every one of you is a felon. And I'm thinking, all right, who told? You know, I was trying to get away from that, but here we are. The reason is you cannot go through life without breaking the laws because there are so many of them. And some of them are even felony laws. That was cool. We had, we had a, your song took flight. That's lovely. Uh, anyway, there's got to be a sign there. I'll determine what it means later. It cannot be helped. We break rules. We break, uh, in fact, it's, it's been said to me, I have a neighbor who's an IRS agent, and that's why anytime I buy a new guitar, I drive into the garage, I lower the door before I pull it out, you know, just in case I'm being monitored somehow. Uh, anyway, he, he told me, anybody the IRS goes after, they can find enough to take your stuff because the rules are so complex and contradictory it just it's grown so big and the same with other regulations it's odd but true we know we want liberty but we also need lines here's why our um, our grand well I, let me do this first our grandparents by the way set us up for this they sang songs like I've got to be me and I did it in my way but then when their children and grandchildren lived those songs out, being who they were and living free from their grandparents' social and theological expectations, we shocked them. They expected us to embrace their lines, their lanes, forever. They, they believed that those lanes and lines allowed them to have a certain measure of freedom. And then they didn't want us to go into license. Let me explain the difference. The difference is really the American Revolution and the French Revolution. By the way, we'll get to the Bible here. Hang on. In the American Revolution, there was an order even to the battles. In the French Revolution, it devolved into mass slaughter of the citizens. And you would just, you grab, the guillotine never was quiet. The rocks and the throwing and, and the stabbings and the riots never ended. One revolution had rules. It had liberty. The other had license. License means do whatever you want. To whomever you want. Whenever you want. And declare yourself free to do so. That's not true liberty, is it? Because if we lived in a world like that, we'd have to barricade ourselves in our house. So there has to be rules for liberty. Here's a story I was about to tell a while ago. In the 80s, there was a crash of a passenger airliner in South America. Right into the side of a mountain, killed all people on board. Immediately, the, um, the, the traffic safety people who, who take care of this arrived and went looking for the black box. The black box is not black, by the way. When I first saw a black box, I was very disappointed. But they, they went for the black box, and they, they put it, and they, they found it. It was intact. And they listened to the pilot and co-pilot talking right before the crash. Constantly heard on the black box was the beeping of the warning, terrain impact. Terrain impact. Pull up, pull up, the voice came. All, um, but if you don't know this, all aviation is done in English. It's the international rules. You have to do it in English. And so 
the, uh, the warning would then go into vocal and say, pull up, pull up, ground collision imminent. The pilot and co-pilot didn't believe their instruments and were laughing at it. The last thing heard on the black box was, shut up, gringo. And then everybody died. Regulations are written in blood. They're written because people die. When the first cars were on American roads, I don't, uh, look this up, it's actually quite hilarious. Most people were terrified of them and they, they had to make rules. You could only go three or five miles an hour in some states. And in other states, they required that you have a man go out ahead of you with a pole and a flag to warn people. The cars didn't go as fast as we, we would go. But anyway, they were terrified. Well, more we go fast and fast and fast, what do we do? Rules. We put rules. We have rules that say, let's, let's put the right lines here. Let's put the right lanes here. I can remember when I was learning to fly that the uh, instructor showed me this in no uncertain terms. He would, uh, we didn't have one with those, you know, the hood and all the instruments and all that other. Uh, we, we had almost no instruments and no radio. Who are you going to talk to? You know, if you're going to die, it's like, you know, want to let you know. No, we, uh, we, we want to talk up here. So anyway, but he would put me into a cloud and he'd move things around the bat and then he'd say, now get a straight and level. And I'd get a straight and level. And he says, you feel good about this? Yeah. And then we fly out of the cloud and I'm doing this. Or I'm, I'm doing this. Or I'm doing this. Your feelings don't really give you a good guide to run your life. That's why in the first Star Wars movie, it always just made me go, what? Whenever he's flying a, a, a state-of-the-art fighter and he's attacking a state-of-the-art Death Star. And the strategy is, don't think. Just feel. Really? Seriously? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with thought. I'm going to go with, let's do some algebra calculus in our head. Let's understand geometry. Let's understand physics, um, weaponry, and, and alike. But people say, I just go with my feelings. Oh, that's a dangerous person. We need some lines. We get upset that we have to go to school. But we sure want our doctor to have gone to school. And we want our pilot to have gone to school. And we want them to take hard courses. And we want them to pass well. I am rather disappointed that on the diplomas you see in doctor's offices or teachers or whatever, they don't have the grade point average there. <laughs> Wouldn't you like that, right? You look over and the doctor's going, well, this is what I think you, you need. And you go, that's pretty bold for a C student. We want people to have gone to school, done hard stuff, and kept at it, and worked through it when we don't want to do it. As one man told me, he said, education is the only thing we want not to get our money's worth. We want to get less than what we paid for. Oh my goodness. When we get into our vehicle, we insist that people stay in their lanes. We insist that they stay on their side of the road. I remember when a friend of mine came across from Scotland, Albert was, was, was a hoot. And he always asked questions, asking to make comments. You know, and then one of the things when we, we got in the car and the parking lot, uh, he looked up and I said, Albert, I'll drive. And he'd gotten in the wrong side because we 
we do it over here different than over there anyway so he got in route and we're driving and he goes uh, do you prefer driving on this side of the road I said in America yes <laughs> yes I find my 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 lane preference is highly nation dependent it det it's determined by which side of the pond I'm actually on we insist that people play by the rules play nice on the road and when they don't what do we want we want somebody to come out to enforce the lines we want well-trained police officers who have undergone extensive training to enforce the law it seems that we like some disciplines and we need some disciplines I in Detroit area in Rochester I I just had an open door every Monday every Monday evening people who ever came to my house I taught guitar lessons to for free whatever they were working with they just had to walk in between seven and nine and that's what we worked with and we had a lot of fun did that for years here's the thing sometimes you'd get some kid in and they got their brand new guitar and a long strap and they're down to here they're ready to rock and they come in I say now do you know how to play and they say oh yeah I'm really good I go, well that's that's why are you here but all right fair enough and almost inevitably there were a couple exceptions they thought they could play because they'd played guitar hero they had touched things that lit up it's a highly important skill we can train chickens to do it at the state fair and whenever I would talk to them about now we need to learn these chords and we need to learn the chord boxes and we need to learn the scales they would go that's too hard and I'd say you only have to learn them once once you learn them they're yours for life now that's too hard if you don't have the discipline you can't do it it won't happen it won't magically happen one day so what do we do we accept that sometimes we need rules when discipline works it's beautiful when discipline work and focus are applied they bring us something good worthwhile satisfying very much like uh, Brant was talking about grace marriage when you apply the work when you apply the homework and when you work your plan you plan to work and you work your plan and you've got the discipline you find an amazing amount of freedom and discipline you find success there and eventually you become cheerleaders for whatever discipline you found if it's grace marriage yes if it's a, 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 a particular weight loss method people get so excited about this and they'll go oh I have found this and it works great for me the reason diets work as long as they work is not because you're not eating this or you're not eating that or you're not eating it it's all about food elimination you are deciding to eliminate a particular category of food you have a discipline in your life and now there are results problem is most diets you can't stay on for life so we got to find a different way of disciplining so people say well I work out okay fine and they'll come to me and they'll say you really ought to do this no I'm good I, I did 15 sit-ups this morning but you can only hit the snooze button so many times I um, I find that people find something it could be vocal training it could be martial arts it could be anything and they're so excited and I love that about it be excited be happy about it you have found a discipline and it brought you something good 
The Christian life is far more than just believing nice things. Our faith is an active faith, a game-changing faith, a life-altering faith. If you can change your beliefs without changing your behavior, you didn't change your beliefs. Beliefs require our behavior to change. Have a look at some pretty hard things Jesus said in Matthew. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road. In other words, it's easy, that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Do not suppose, watch this, that's interesting. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. After all the songs last week, I thought this would be a good one to shock us into some reality here. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves her father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves her son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Wow, what's going on here? Is Jesus trying to intentionally break up the family? No, but he's saying belief has consequences. The disciplined life has consequences. There are going to be people who are not going to walk with you anymore. I can remember being in university and the guys would come to me and they'd say, come on, you got to go to a party with us. And I don't know why they thought that I belonged in a party, but I would always go, no, that's all right. No, I'm fine. And they'd say, oh, you, what, what's the matter? Are you afraid? And I go, no, no, actually, I don't. I don't have that gene. And they'd say, well, no, you're just afraid to make your own decision. And I'd always say, I, I just did. Right there in front of you. Hello, can you see me? You know, anyway, uh, and, and then afterwards, they'd come crawling into the dorms. Next morning, I'm going, how was the party? They're going, I don't, I don't really know. Where's your car? Can't remember. My, how's your girlfriend? She broke up with me. Why? I don't know. And I'm going, all right, several problems here. You have a massive headache, no girlfriend, lost car. And without, I know there are little ears here, so I'll just say, you don't really buy beer, you rent it. So now all the money's gone and you've got nothing. You've got nothing here. Um, that's your definition of a great time then. I'll, I'll pass. I won't do that. I had a better life because I said no. I learned to say no. To have a disciplined life. It's hard to do sometimes. But when you do that, it means these guys aren't going to be your buddies. Think about this. Think about you want, let's say that you want to be, and we always say a doctor, a lawyer, but we can say a teacher, an engineer, uh, an IT specialist, whatever it is. You really want it, but your parents say no. What's going to happen? If you are driven by a disciplined life, this is my goal, this is what I'm doing, it's going to cause some friction. It might cause frictions with a girlfriend or boyfriend that would rather you go out with them somewhere than sit and study for tomorrow's test. It might cause problems with your, your roommate because they want to have loud music and people in and you want to focus on your study. You're focused and it causes an issue. You have made a decision 
and it's broken the family. Was it a bad decision? No. But your belief and your discipline was not something the other could accept. And Jesus is saying, if you're not willing to stay on the path, regardless of who else falls off, you'll never make it. You have to stay on the path. How many people have started playing guitar and quit in the first week because it hurts my fingers? I tell them, sure it does. It's wire. You're rubbing wire on your fingers. We know this. But it won't hurt much after a month or two or three, usually. If you get your hands wet too much, you know, go to the beach a lot, well, then it's going to hurt a while again. And they'll go, oh, I don't want to do that. Then you don't want to play guitar. You want to be a guitar player. There's a difference. If you don't know the difference, it's kind of like there are a lot of people that want to have a dog, but they don't want to be a dog owner, carer. So they get the dog and then you have to focus. And Jesus is saying, if you focus, there are consequences. Look at this out of Matthew chapter 6. If the light of the body is single, if therefore, and I ask for this to be in King James for a reason, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, it's diverse and many, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? If you're absorbing darkness, darkness is who you are. You've got to focus Focus. Paul put it in sporting terms. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? That's back before the everybody gets a trophy days. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. See, that would be me. Well, first of all, I'm not going to run. Just be aware. Right, I, I own a truck, there's a firearm, I'm, I, I'm fine. I'm, I have no reason to run. But if I were, if you, if you see me running, try to catch up. Somebody's chasing me. Um, but if, if I were to run, my, I think my, um, my mind would drift. <laughs> and I'd start going this way and this way. My favorite, you know those stickers in the back? Of, the, you know, 13.1 and 26.2, the marathoners put it on their car to show how much they run. Anyway, my favorite is the one that says 28.5, and underneath it says, I got lost. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's even better than the 0.01 I wanted. No, I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul was a real sports fan, and he used a lot of that. The writer of Hebrews, whoever they were, put it this way. Again, a sporting term. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, that's, the, that's what they called the people that were in the stadium, the Colosseums. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's not the aimless, that's direct. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy sat before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What are they talking about? Laying aside every weight. Runners used to run with weights. I, they probably still do. As you can tell by now, I don't hang with them. But they would run with weights. Ankle weights, weights uh, around here. And in the military, big packs on their back. 
And when the time comes to run and you shuck all of that and you put it to the side, you run. And you're faster than you ever thought you were because of the weights. They have been removed. Here's the secret, as Hebrews says, focus on Jesus. Get rid of what is holding you back. That's a discipline. What, what do you have to get rid of to be able to follow Jesus? What's got, you know, if you're going to do a strict diet, and here we are just after uh, Christmas, what's got to be removed from your refrigerator? Because we still have that stuff, right? Well, maybe not. <laughs> We've, you've had a few days. I, I can, we look in and we see the leftovers. My mom was with us this week, and I, I told her, I said, Mom, you may not know this, but there were many times my dad asked me to say the prayer, thanking God for the food we had, and I didn't really see the need because I'd already thanked him for everything on the table a couple of times that week. We were just going to trot it out until it was eaten, right? Understood. We, um, if, you, if you want to go on a strict diet, I'm not saying you need to. God blesses us with the fat of the land, not the broccoli of the land. I'm just saying. But if you want to go on a strict diet and there are donuts all over the counter, those got to go because they're going to make too much noise. You're going to just be trying to watch TV and eat me. You know what I'm talking about. And eventually you go and eat them just to shut them up, right? You're going to throw yourself on that caloric hand grenade for the rest of humanity. I will remove this from society. You can thank me later. Sing songs about me. Focus on Jesus. Get rid of what is holding you back. He is our Savior, Lord, and King. And he is the goal. He is the finish line. And that's what we want to talk about as we begin to wrap this up, but don't get too excited. We don't have class, so I can keep going. When we speak of disciplines, we are not bringing in a new legalism. Far from it. Instead, what we will be talking about is life skills that we can hone, that we can practice, that we can perfect, so that we can look, think, and act like Jesus. That's the goal. We are not doing Christian disciplines so that Jesus will like us and maybe let us into heaven. That's legalism. We do discipline because we are going to heaven and we want to look like the family. We want to have family resemblance with Jesus Christ. Every discipline, just like every freedom and every right, comes with the possibility of abuse. We're not going to do that. So when we talk about prayer, which we will talk about prayer, we're not going to say, all right, we're all agreed that prayer is very important, so you've got to pray this hour every day, and you've got to pray this hour every day, and you've got to pray. No, 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 not a legalism. We're going to just talk about prayer, incorporate it into our lives, and move on. And all of us are different. I'm pretty sure that Albert could pray for three hours straight, and he'd mean it. I wonder after a few minutes, do you? Dear Lord, thank us for, there's a squirrel. <laughs> and then you think, oh, what I say to God? Um, I'm not all that keen on the squirrels, God. I, I didn't mean to come on. Anyway, my, I tell people, my prayers are more like someone skipping a rock on a lake. It's, hi, God. There you are. Thanks. You know, it, it goes like that. But I'm in contact with them. 
we weren't going to make rules. We're just going to bring up the disciplines. You know, we practice guitar so we can sound like our heroes. We work out so we can, we can be fat and strong. And I say we very loosely here. Uh, and, and feel like our athlete heroes. And we practice spiritual disciplines. Not that we will be saved, but so that we will look more like Jesus. We're like children copying our, our parents and our grandparents. We have to draw some lines. I'm, I'm known at churches that I've served in the past as Dr. No. Because if somebody wants to bump me out of my lane, no, I won't. Several of you found this out to your shock when you've come to me and said, ooh, what are they doing back here with that construction? I don't know. Why? Not my lane. I'm not involved in construction. Well, shouldn't you know? No. Why? Not my lane. I am fiercely an Acts 6 guy. In Acts chapter 6, people came saying, all this needs to be done. And the elders looked at them and said, yes, it does, but that's not what we do. Find somebody else. Acts 6 says, I don't stop spreading the gospel to get out of my lane. Now, what they're doing is highly important, but I'm not going to make that decision. When I'm caught in traffic in Nashville, that happens every now and then. You know, every, it's a rare thing. You might have heard of it. It's on the news. <laughs> Whoever designed that cannot go to heaven. I've talked to God about it. So I, whenever I'm caught there, I don't go, this has to. Instead, I go, you know something? I don't design roads. That's not my lane. I'm not in charge of any of this. Stay in your lane. I turn away questions often because people come to me and say, well, you teach at different med schools and such. Well, I got this question. Should my mom be taking all these medicines? I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not allowed to answer these questions. Are you aware that technically... In most states, including Tennessee, if you came up to me and, and, and you're going, oh man, I got a terrible headache, and I have aspirin in my pocket, I can't say, here, you should take aspirin. That's practicing medicine without a license, technically. Again, felon. So I don't do that. What I do is I take out the aspirin, because I'm always carrying lots of pills. We lived in Detroit, you know, and anyway, um, <laughs> this is humor, people. This is humor. If you don't have humor, have somebody give you a skittle to keep you busy, all right? <laughs> I, I've actually done this at, Ohio, at the Ohio State University. I was teaching there. Someone had a headache, and I knew, all right, I could be watched. So I just put two aspirin on the table. And I went, look at that. Somebody just willy-nilly left aspirin on a table. Well, that's a horrible thing, that is. I mean, who could just, people could come by and just take that without anybody even knowing it. I'm going to go over here and think about that. The person took the aspirin. Um, it, I, I was trying to show the absurdity of it, but stay in my lane. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a medical doctor. No, I'm not going to do that. Stay in your lane. I'm a pilgrim and a stranger on earth. I don't have to be an expert in the things of the world. I'm comfortable with not being moved by the New Year's Eve shows. And I don't mind if you're moved by them. That's fine. But that's not my lane. I'm a pilgrim and a stranger here. Church, too many churches attempt to be engaged with their culture and end up being married to it. Be careful. Let's stay in our lane. Let's be a Matthew 25 people. I'd say bring up your team, but it's just you. And we love you.
song. That's all right. Let's be a Matthew 25 church, disciplined to feed the poor, clothe those that have no clothing, visit those who are sick, visit those in prison, take care of the people on the planet in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's be that kind of person. If you'll stand, please. As we wrap up this year, I want to tell you what I always tell my staff the first day I come to work at a new place. No is a spiritual word. Do not be afraid to use it. No is a complete sentence. You don't have to justify your no. Draw your lines. Stay in your lane. And remember the two big rules of life. Number one, look like Jesus. Number two, don't be stupid. That's really it. So, repeat them after me. Rule number one, look like Jesus. Rule number two, don't be stupid. We've got this because God's got this. Trust God and pick your lane.